everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. We scour the internet so you don't have to in order to focus on the confirmed news and updates. This episode, we're bringing you the news and updates through October 24th. We're coming to you a day later as Daphne was away for the weekend, but we're also coming to you with a special guest to help us break down the highlights of the first Grand Prix event of the season, Skate America. Yes, I was away over the weekend. I went to Boston with some podcasting friends. So I got back very late on Monday, and so I've been catching up, and we are excited to be joined by Melanie Haney, who was the official photographer for this competition. She was the U.S. figure skating photographer at Skate America in Allen, Texas. So we're happy to welcome her to the episode. Hi, Melanie. Great to be here. (laughs) So glad to have you with us. Uh, Normally, I would go to this competition because I try to get to Skate America, but this year it coincided with this podcasting meetup and... So I was busy there, and Gina also did not attend because she was busy with a work commitment, and it just goes to show that there are (laughs) other things going on in the universe, and we do our best when we can to be at competitions, but sometimes there are conflicts that we just can't get around. Yes, and I did my best to watch as much of the event as I could. Um, my coworker can attest. I did check the results a couple times during our conference on Saturday, and then as soon as we got to the hotel on Saturday night, I pulled up my laptop, had Peacock on, and I did watch the men's free skate. But Melanie was there for the whole entire thing, so I think she's the best person for us to <laughs> really get a handle on everything that went on. The first thing I want to ask you, though, Melanie, was, was it as cold in that rink as everyone said it was? Oh, my gosh, yes. It was one of the coldest, like, major events that I have been to. Um, Obviously, um, I've been in many a, I've been in much colder rinks, but uh, you expect it at in smaller community training rinks and in larger arenas you really you expect it to be cool but not too cold and it was very cold uh there were I heard via like third hand word of mouth that they were um running the air conditioner so much because uh as people came in and out throughout the day, it was so hot outside and the temper the temperature differential was too much and they were worried about the ice starting to melt. So <laughs> I guess that's why. But uh, it really, it really was quite cold. I can remember being at that arena for two, two years, going there for Dallas Classic and having to go outside to warm up because it was so cold. <laughs> yeah. They had, there was a, a time... I think Friday and Saturday mornings during the, or maybe Saturday and Sunday mornings during the practices when not as many people were coming in and out and they did shut the air conditioners off. Um, Also, the air conditioning vent was blowing directly into the media area, (laughs) the media work area. So, um, you know, typically upstairs it's, 
it's warmer because heat rises and you're further away from the ice, but the air conditioning was coming out of a vent in the top and the media area was on the suite level. And there was just a constant breeze of cold air blowing at us. And so when they actually turned the air off for a bit, um, it was a lot more pleasant, but it was on most of the time. <laughs> so so what did you think of the venue overall? Because I found the lighting there to be pretty good. But I wondered how like the capacity would fit into, ha- you know, having all of the fans there in attendance, what it was going to be like. Do you think it was an adequate size? Yeah, I think it was a really good size and it was a nice venue. Um, it's uh, adjustable. The, the stands are adjustable as is typical in a lot of newer arenas. So they were able to create a moat around the one of the short ends and um, on the judge's side. And, um, you know, what that means is that the stands don't go all the way down to the ice. Uh, and those areas, but it makes it a lot more pleasant to work for the people that are working the event. Uh, officials, uh, photographers, camera crew, TV crew, just people that need to be running around during the event. It was pretty spacious. Um, so that was nice uh, compared to, for example, like Four Continents. Four Continents last season was in an older arena that's all concrete. You can't just take sections out. Um, and that it made it harder to do my job, honestly, because I couldn't run from where I wanted to shoot from to the kiss and cry. I couldn't get there in enough time because there were concrete barriers and walls in the way. Um, so for this, I mean, I would photograph a skate. If I wanted to go to the kiss and cry, I would run over to my computer, uh, swap memory cards, pick up my third camera, which I had was using for kiss and cry, run over to the kiss and cry. And I still had a, usually a minute before the scores came up. So it was, um, yeah, that part was nice. As far as like capacity, I think it was pretty close to not, I mean, not close to full, but like more than half full on for the main session on Saturday night. I heard again third hand that uh people were pretty pleased with the turnout at that session in particular. Um I would say the drawback is that the concourse doesn't go all the way around. It's a um the concourse only goes around the two long sides and one short side. And then the the fourth side, the other short side is back of house. So um, I don't know if it was crowded during the breaks. Uh, I've been in arenas that are set up that way in Canada. There's quite a few. And um, those types of arenas usually get really frustratingly crowded (laughs) during Zamboni breaks. But um, I don't know because I was not wandering the concourse during then. Um, when I was wandering the concourse during practice sessions or earlier in the day, it was nice and open and airy. Um, yeah, there was, there were a few vendors set up, a few skate companies, a couple of apparel companies, but there still seemed like there was a lot of space. So, and the proximity to the official hotel was great. It was just a quick walk and, 
the there were a lot of restaurants and stores around that were also walkable, which was really nice. I went to Target one afternoon and got some snacks. So, um, you know, all of those makes for, I think, a really pleasant experience for people that are working the event as well as for spectators. So I would, I, I don't pretend to know anything about like how they decide where to have events, but I, if I were the people at U.S. Figure Skating on the events team, I would definitely look at this venue again for future. I was hoping that you'd say that the first time we went into Dell's Classic, Ann and I said, wow, this would be perfect for a Junior Grand Prix. And then as we spent more time in it, we both kind of agreed that, yeah, they could also hold Skate America here because the proximity to restaurants and other, you know, other stores like Target, like you said, made it favorable for fans who needed to step out or, you know, wanted to go shopping or back to their hotel. I mean, it it's pretty good as far as proximity to things. Um, I understand it was a bit different, though, this year because the they didn't have an in, in-rink host or DJ this time. Um, I do think that maybe... I'm not sure if it was if it was the same DJ or DJ Romeo who we know and love, but uh, I do think a DJ sent in mixes because it wasn't okay. just yeah. It sounded I, but, like you know, it was DJ like yeah. His some sort of the songs of were music. yeah. Some of the songs were kind of mixed together, and um, you know I've been at many skating competitions where they just pull up some u.s figure skating approved playlist and hit play and i know all of those songs <laughs> and this was a little more current so okay. um That's so good. i think they did potentially have someone kind of do the work ahead of time and send in the mixes which which is you know it's really good for the fan experience and i think I don't know. I like to think it helps the skaters too to have good upbeat music during their warm ups and between skaters while they're getting ready. Maybe some people tune it out completely and don't really care what's playing, but I think some of them might care. Yeah, I can see where it would help them get in the zone for yeah. sure. And no um, in house announcer. Again, I'm working so much that <laughs> I don't really pay attention. Um, so I can't speak to whether that was a positive or negative for the fan experience. But um, it did take me a couple days to notice just because I was so busy. They seem to be playing a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the little funny pieces that they record at Champs Camp every year. They're playing those on the Jumbotrons and they're playing ads on the Jumbotrons, which is annoying but important to get the sponsors that pay for the things we like in the sport so absolutely they do have some new sponsors this year i noticed some new um one of the things that i have to do as the u.s figure skating photographer is take photos of the ads on the boards so there were some new names that i was photographing that's cool yeah and i noticed uh like it was ashley kane that was doing the interviews after the events. It wasn't, you know, the yeah. person host Rusty there. Um, Ashley doing it. and Mariah Bell also did some as 
they they were both there and they were kind of running around doing some social media stuff for us figure skating and just generally being positive and cheering for people ashley was also in the gala um oh wow with some of the local skaters and they announced her it was the opening number to the gala and they announced like the you know please welcome the Dallas Figure Skating Club skaters including Olympian Ashley Kane and i kind of expected to her her to have like a feature or a solo in the number and it wasn't until the very end that i realized when when one girl had this like beautiful split jump i realized that it was Ashley Kane she was just <laughs> kind of performing the choreography with the skaters that had been chosen to skate in the gala. So, um, how yeah. cool for them! Yeah, how cool yeah. for the skaters to have the opportunity to perform with an Olympian, yeah, a local Olympian. And they, I saw the Dallas Figure Skating Club posted pictures. They got to meet Ilya and some of the other uh, skaters at the gala practice too. So, well, should we dive in a little bit to the actual performances? Oh, yeah. Talk a little bit about the event. <laughs> do you want to start with the men first? That's what we always usually do. We start with sure. the men. So, I mean, Melanie, what were your thoughts? I I mean, for me, it was Ilya not going for the quad axle, but really showing his artistry in his um, free skate, um, showing off this new element called the raspberry. Did you get any photos of that? You know, it doesn't photograph well, but I did. <laughs> he kind of sticks Some- his tongue out when he does it. <laughs> Sometimes those new elements can be really cool to look at, but I agree with Melanie. There's something gets off in the face sometimes, and the photos just don't come out yeah. the way that you yeah. would expect. Plus, if it's newer, it takes time to kind of get really comfortable with performing it in front of the audience. Yeah, it did. Uh, it did appear to take some concentration because I think he included it as like part of his footwork sequence or at the end of the or choreo sequence or something. So, um, yes, I did get a cool photo of him perfectly parallel to the ice, but it's maybe not the face that <laughs> he would like to have published. So. <laughs> I, for now, I kept it to myself. <laughs> now, I'm guessing you probably got the stare down, though. Kevin Amos' stare down with the judges. You probably had to be, like, right to the left of the judges for that, or? Yes, I did have a good angle for that. Um, I was right. I was in the first photo spot left of the judges. So, uh, yeah, Kevin was great. Um, I guess I should. Uh, Ilya was great also. Um I really liked his short program. I think the improvements that he's made to his skating and the in-betweens are really highlighted in the short program. I think in the free skate, you can you can see the improvements as well. Um, I think going for less tech is really good for him, but he still goes for a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he still has a really, really, really high base base value, and I think in general, in men's figure skating, the the skaters that are going for that kind of content, they they can't 
put the same amount of effort into choreography of a free skate that they can in the short. Like they, they need to pace themselves to get through four minutes and to hit all those jumps. So, um, I would say that Ilya's getting closer to being on, on par with what other skaters that do similar tech content are doing with their, with their choreography and their in-betweens in the, in the free skate. Like it's, it's not packed with content, but no one, no one's is right. (laughs) Um, if someone, if a men's free skate is packed with content, then they're not going for four quads. So, um, yeah, I th- I think it's obvious he's definitely been working hard. I think it was great for him to have such a great skate. You could see the excitement on his face and the kiss and cry. You know, when he when he poses for photos, he tries really hard to be serious and stoic. But um, you know, you can you can see the genuine excitement and pride in the more candid moments um yeah and his his dad too i had always had the impression before that his dad would be very um serious and strict and he's really he really seems to have a calming influence when he's coaching um he just kind of lets lets things happen he steps back from the boards, right? He's not he's not the type that's going to be like banging on the boards or <laughs> anything like that. Um and obviously they it's a strategy that works well for them, right? Some some people need a little more intensity from their coach and uh some people don't. So And yeah, Kevin Kevin was wonderful. It was amazing to see him skate so well so early in the season, too. Typically, I think in the past we've seen a different Kevin at Worlds than we do on the Grand Prix. And so, um, you know, he mentioned in some of the his comments to the press that he was having trouble in practices and uh, focusing. And so for him to pull it together in the competition, I think is um, really impressive. Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoyed that Bolero was so, you know, intense and I, at first, you know, anytime someone skates to Bolero, it's just, of course, Torval and Dean. And I'm, I don't know if I'm ever going to like a Bolero program, but I do like this from him. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you probably felt that a little bit more being in the arena and could feel the intensity more than me watching it at home. Um, but yeah, I really, I can't wait to see a little I can't wait to see more of this program as the season goes on because I think it's just... It's really good. Again, for uh, a Bolero, when you know you Bolero, you think Torval and Dean, or some people just think Bolero's a boring piece of music. Um, but I think for Kevin, it really works well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think he did really great with it. And um, the uh, photographer next to me for most of the weekend was uh, a local sports photographer shooting for the Associated Press, and he had never photographed figure skating before and I would say had not really even ever watched it before because some of his questions were um you know like if if he did at least had seen it during the Olympics I feel like he wouldn't have asked some of the questions he did um 
but at the, after Kevin skated, I mean, he didn't. They, you know, we were we're so busy. When you're shooting for an agency or for the, um, or for the event, you're so focused on getting things posted quickly, and so there, you know, the, we weren't chit chatting a lot during the events, especially. Um, you know, we would just photograph and then turn around and go right to our computers and then come back and, um. But he, when we were at our computers after Kevin's free skate, just before I went over to run to the kiss and cry, he said, you know, I don't know anything about figure skating, but I really liked that one. Wow. <laughs> so okay. I think it, it, it made the impact that I think they were going for. Well, we'll move on to the women. And I think for me, I did watch the women's free skate on Sunday. I was home from my trip. The highlight for me was Amber Glenn nailing the triple axel. Um, I was watching it. I actually screamed. I was like, yes, finally! Um, just because, you know, she's been trying for the past few seasons, and we've been waiting for her to nail it, and here she goes, and she nails it in front of family and friends in her home state of Texas. And then that emotion and excitement of her nailing it quickly turned to heartbreak when the program fell apart in the second half. And knowing that her medal chances were probably slim now, um, that was just, it was so, like, you had this high of her landing it and then just this low of the program just kind of unraveling. Um, but I'm sure there you could hear the excitement when she did nail that triple axel in the arena it was so exciting um i had the same reaction i was so happy for her and uh the triple axel was right in front of me and i could just i mean i confirmed it later when i went and looked at the at my individual photos frame by frame but i had i could just tell it was clean you know it just it just swished perfectly. And I think, I mean, everyone who's been following her knows that she's capable of hitting that jump like that. Like, I've seen so many videos of her doing it. I've seen it in official practices at events. Um, I think I I saw her at four different competitions last year. So I saw <laughs> a lot of Amber Glenn. Um, and yeah, I mean, her short was so strong. She just looked really, really focused. Um, you know, I think, I think last year, even in the short, she would, um, she'd often have like a little, a little blip on that last jump. Like so, sometimes it would be, uh, just a stumble or something, but, um, even, even when she skated really well, it, it was never like a perfectly clean short program. And you can, um, uh, I don't know if you could hear it on TV, but in the, kiss and cry when she got her scores and it was over 70 she said finally <laughs> because that was the other thing too she'd never hit over 70 in the short internationally um and i've known i i've known she's been capable of it for several years and so it was really really exciting to see her skate well um i hope she gives herself a lot of grace for what happened in the second half of her program because she she hit the triple axel. It was incredible. But then she zoomed right down to the other end of the ice and hit a triple triple combo. Like mm -hmm. that was that was important too. Is that the focus 
was there. I would have expected her to make a mistake on that very first element after the triple axel, like if this had been Amber from last season. And, um, you know, she just, she had a concussion about a month ago. She missed training time. She, it's hard. Um, a four minute free skate is hard. Um, combined with the adrenaline and the emotions and then also having lost training time recently, I don't think it's, I don't, I know it didn't feel great in the moment for her, but I don't think it was a disaster that, or, a, or even really a huge, like, I don't think it's something that she can't recover from, right? That she fell apart in the second half of the program. Um, you know, I hope that she is able to really focus on the positives and not, and not just the triple axel, but the, but the squeaky clean short and the, the, you know, really able to look at all the wonderful things that she did during this competition and build on that for the next one. Because I think she's, I think she's capable. Oh, totally. And I mean, I was pleasantly surprised when she was second after the short program ahead of Isabeau Levito. And I was like, whoa, okay. And I wanted to not think about the fact that sometimes Amber has one good program and then her other program isn't great. So I was trying to say, okay, she's in second here. She's capable of, you know, putting together another clean program into metal and and I was really feeling that program with the triple axle with the triple triple and I was like we're come on Amber I kept going come on we got this you got this and then it just kind of went and but I really think she by her landing that triple axle I think that's gonna set her up really well for the rest of the season I think it just is this is She's got the confidence. Okay, I've done it now. I can do it in a competition and I can, you know, and I can go forward and do it again and again and again. And hopefully, you know, with a the program being just as good as how she landed the triple axel. Um, so, yeah, that was my highlight. Definitely was her landing it because you just... I don't know how many times I asked her, are you going to do the triple axel in the competition? How comfortable are you feeling about the triple axel? How's training going on the triple axel? And I know she probably was sick of not just me, but any other journalist asking those same exact questions every time, you know, there was an event. So um, now we don't necessarily have to ask it anymore because we know she's going to do it. Um, and, you know, and hopefully she'll have the consistency with it, um, and then have, you know, really good skate. So the winner of the women was Luna Hendricks. Um, I like her free skate and I, and I think she's, I think this is, well, it was her first gold at Skate America. Um, and I think this is setting her up for a really good season. I don't know what you thought about uh, Luna. And um, then, of course, Isabel Levito took home the silver. Um, She was third after the short. I know a lot of people enjoy her snake. um, And I always kind of mention her costume with the snake, that she's got the head of the snake on her hand. Um, So, yeah, any of your thoughts on the others? Yeah, 
Um, Luna was great. She was so strong. I think she also said that she had some some doubts about her own conditioning. Um, so I'm guessing that the just adrenaline really carried her through. Um, you know, her, her short and her free are similar in style. I don't, I don't really have a problem with that. I know some people are, um, I think you should have two different styles for the short and the free. Um, I was, I was happy to end the free on an upbeat note. Uh, I would like to see her perform it a little more, which I think will come with time and more conditioning. She didn't really let loose except for a couple of moments. Um, but yeah, she's, it's great. It's great to see her so strong. Um, and you know, she had, she had strong jumps. She had good spins. I think she definitely deserved, uh, her scores. And then Isbo, um, you know, I, I like that she's trying something different in the short. She's, she's got some new, uh, patterns of movement in the, in the short. And then she has some of the, some of the kind of the same steps that she's done before, which is, is fine. Um, I think it's a good way for her to explore different music, but to be able to, to feel comfortable with what she's doing with her feet. Maybe I noticed some pieces during the footwork that were, I'd photographed them before. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, and that's, but everyone does that. I'm not, I'm not picking on her. Um, but yeah, I, I applaud her for trying something new. The free was similar to what she'd done before, uh, but she, she skated really well. It's great for her to go out early in the season and to really nail her content. Um, it was great to see Nina Petrokina. Yes, I was going to mention medal. her as well. Yeah, first medal for Estonia. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize that just a few years ago she nearly died. Yeah, like she was, she was so ill. Um, I believe it was in 2020, but it wasn't, it wasn't COVID. It was uh some sort of blood disorder. Um, and basically she had like a 50% chance to make it. And I can't, I can't believe that she's skating at this level. Right? It's incredible. And she did really well at Shanghai trophy that I kind of was like, Hmm, she could be like a dark horse here yeah. at Skate America. And I remember I mentioned it to Claire who was at in Allen for Skate America. I said, keep an eye on Nina because she could be, you know, just kind of move her way up and, and take a medal spot. Um, and I, you know, I was really surprised when she did, you know, take home the bronze there. And, um, yeah, so she's just been having a really good season. But, yeah, that it's so incredible that she's where she is knowing that, you know, she had a life-threatening illness. Um and so, and it's the first Grand Prix medal for Estonia. So yeah. she made history there. Um, and unfortunately, they uh, did not put her flag up correctly. Oh, no. I felt so bad oh, because no. it was the first medal for Estonia. And they put up the Japanese flag. 
Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. They, they weren't real flags. They were on a screen. And so they just took the screen down, screen down like oh, okay. almost immediately. But, um, you know, when during a medal ceremony, typically while the anthem is playing, I take a few close up shots of the winner. Um, and then I take a few of the silver and bronze medalists as well. And I just kind of try to frame them up and get get it so it's like dark in the background. And um, so I happened to be focused on her as she looked up the screen. And so you could see I have like four shots in a row. And in the first two, she has this like little this this nice little smile. And then in the next two shots, she has this look on her face like, what is that? <laughs> Um, and then they they were all kind of laughing about it, and you know, I everything seemed fine after that. But I I did feel bad. I was like, you know, you make it to the podium on the Grand Prix, and you, you're you have the wrong flag, the yeah. wrong flag up. It's unfortunate, but and I wasn't gonna mention it, but now that you mentioned that there was the wrong flag, I know during practices some skaters were called by the wrong country. Yes. <laughs> There was a lot of that happening. You know, I think the so the announcers that come to Skate America, they just do the competition like the 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 announcers that have worked their way up through U.S. figure skating and they have like the certification to call high level events for U.S. figure skating. Um, I believe practice, it's, just, it's volunteers. So, um, yeah. Well, we'll move on to pairs. And for me, pairs was like. I really didn't know what was going to happen with the fact that our world champion Ryuki Mira and Ryuchi Kiara had withdrawn. So it was kind of really anybody's guess who was going to be on the podium. Though I know earlier in the season, Annika Hawk and Robert Kunkel and Leah Pereira and Trent Michelle were really close at a challenger. Um, less than a point. So, yeah, I think yeah, so I had a feeling that those two were going to be close again in here at Skate America, and that proved to be a less than a point separated them after the short program, and I think it was like a two-point margin that separated the gold and the silver between the two. Um, and first medals, I believe first medals for both teams, if I'm correct on that, and um, yeah, I was... I didn't get to see the free skate. So I'll be honest there. I still haven't seen the free skate, but from the short program, I was impressed with both the top two teams and even Chelsea Liu and um, Balaj Nagi, um, who is a brand new team. Um, I was impressed with their skating just so early in their, in the season and in their career. Yeah. Um, I mean, Chelsea and Balash have that, wow, triple twist. Uh, super exciting to watch. Um, you know, they, they skated nice and strong. There are some jump issues, but, um, when, when are they not in pairs? <laughs> um, so yeah they they have a lot of they have a lot of positive things going for them the the triple twist is huge and the they have a couple of really really strong lifts too and even like the unique exit where he kind of or entry sorry where he kind of flips her from upside down and she goes straight up into the lift it's it's really really incredible i think it's the last lift in their free 
Uh, they did it during their gala program too. Um, and then, yeah, I going in as I as I prepare for an event like this, I um I go into my Adobe Lightroom and I make galleries for the people that I'm going to have to import photos for and for for these events that I do for US figure skating it's the top three plus any additional Americans so I type in all the American names and then I had to guess who else I thought would be in the top three and so I pre-typed in both Haka and Kunkel and Prayer and Michaud I was pretty sure that they would end up in the top three um so yeah it's uh I really enjoyed I like Annika Haka's unitard game. I love a unitard in pairs because it's easier to post pictures of the lifts. <laughs> Agreed. That are Agreed when know, editing a photos modest. of pair yes. lifts. <laughs> yes. Uh and I I really like Leah and Trent. I've known Trent as a skater since he was probably eleven or twelve. Um over a decade to be sure. Um, so, okay. So maybe he was like 14, but still like a, a long, long, long time. Uh, so he's, he's such a strong partner and Leah has picked up on pairs so quickly. She did have a year of pairs experience, uh, a few years back, although she wasn't, um, you know, at the, t- at the top of any standings, even, I think it was novice level. Um, but yeah, they're they're doing great. I didn't run into a lot of the athletes off the ice because I was in the arena most of the time. But I did run I for whatever reason I ran I was on like the same schedule as Leah and Trent. I ran into them uh I think in the hotel, I ran into them at the coffee shop, I ran into them like trying to get into the arena. Um so I they, you know, they, I chatted with them a few times. They seemed super relaxed the whole time. They were, they loved the venue and the area. They talked about, you know, they, they were able to walk to places to eat. They went, they walked to Whole Foods. Like, I think, um, what we were talking about earlier, like just being in a comfortable area and venue like that is important for the athletes too. Like, you know, when you when you're stuck like in some corporate office park and you can't really relax like I, I i don't know i don't think it's as good of an experience for the athletes as well as like spectators and people working the event too that's a sidebar um, <laughs> and well, then yeah the the germans were great um and i was going to say about the germans they do an '80s for their sh- program for their shore program, <laughs> yeah. and I, she would. They, they were asked about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they said that they created it before. I think that the '80s rhythm dance, or they knew about that the rhythm dance was going to be '80s. Um, so it was kind of funny to hear them talk about that. Because um, at first, I and mean, as soon as they came on, I was like, "Oh, I guess <laughs> they want to be in the dance event." <laughs> I did yeah I didn't I didn't hear what they'd said about that that's funny because I did make that joke too I was like well I guess I didn't want to be left out 
Um, but yeah, they were, um, you know, I, they had some really strong elements, strong lifts too. Uh, she seemed, uh, upset that she's having trouble with the consistency of, uh, one of her triples. Yeah. She mentioned something in the press conference. I did listen to the pair's presser, um, that she was felt dizzy in the free skate. So I don't yeah. know if that might've had to do with anything, um, but, you know, I feel like as much as I mentioned the Italian pairs and that there's such a strong field in the Italian pairs, Germany's got some strong pairs, too, now with um, Minerva and her new partner. And so I feel like, you know, it's going to be a really good German nationals with these two pairs teams. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely there's some good pairs coming up in Europe. and. um I think last year was overall kind of a frustrating year for fans of pair skating because there was the technical content was took took quite a dip. Um, but you know, I think I think now we're we're seeing some of those pairs start to add in tougher elements. Um, so you know, hopefully. The all the pairs will continue to gain consistency on their elements, and by the end of the season, hopefully, we'll see a more competitive field. Okay, it's time for dance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dance was great. I mean, we we kind of already talked about the eighties. It was it was so fun. This was actually this was my first competition of the season. Seeing ten high level rhythm dances um for the 80s like senior level um i did see one competition like a u.s domestic competition that had quite a few of junior teams but um the senior team the senior field was much smaller so uh it was really fun there was a good variety um i think you know, the audience really got into it. I think the it was successful for what the ISU wanted it to be. Um, we had a new program already for Green and Parsons. They changed their program just in the past couple of weeks, and I thought that they looked really strong with it, honestly. Um, I will be... Um, I will say I did not see it, see the first program even on video, so I don't, um, I don't know what they were coming from, but I think that they, they showed a lot of power in their skating with skating to rock music. And, um, I suspect that that was something that they wanted to highlight was to show that they could, they could skate with a lot of speed and power. Um, I did see uh, the video feed from Lombardia Trophy, and I think that this style suits them more. Because a couple of years ago, they had that really successful uh, Janet Jackson rhythm dance that, um, you know, people were really excited about. And by using Paula Abdul at the start of this season, I was thinking, okay, it could still be... Uh, fun to watch and successful for them but I also thought it could 
be too similar to what they were trying to do or what they did before. I think switching to the rock music, uh, which they picked two selections by the Scorpions, I think this really does suit them better. Um, yeah, so the the rhythm dance was a lot of fun. Overall, I think Chuck Bates' program was fun. Yeah, I noticed a new costume for Olivia Smart and Tim Deke. She had this blue. She got rid of the, the yeah. silver pants, though I like yes. the silver <laughs> pants. I liked the silver pants. I thought that that really was representative of the 80s in so many ways. The blue is fun, but I think the silver pants were yeah pretty cool um yeah they they were a lot of fun i just yeah it was fun to photograph um and then the honestly the the free dance was so strong too i mean even from the first couple teams i was just like okay we're we're gonna have a great day today um i really really liked uh lim and kwan from Korea, I think they, I think they have a, well, I mean, I've, I've thought they've had a lot of potential for a couple of years, but I think they're really continuing to like see that potential grow. Um, I think they're living up to their potential and they're continuing to grow, um, which is great. Seeing the two check siblings teams side by side was great they are so fast um i think they both have some polish and polishing to do um and also technique things you know they tend they skate really fast but they tend to pike their bodies and um i would just like to see them like I would I would be willing to give up some of the speed for maybe a little more polish and technique, but um and then uh the going back to Green and Parsons, they've kind of gone back to what worked for them a couple years ago, kind of a more modern free dance. I think I need to see it a few more times. I did like it, um, but I'm not sure it. I'm not sure it builds in the same way that some of the other dances in the field did. And I think that's maybe why they were marked a little lower than the medalists, for example. Um it didn't I I didn't get the same impact. Uh the French team oh I forgot to mention the French rhythm dance was so fun. Uh so unique, so different. There is a music video of that song by Milan Farmer um that you need to watch if you feel like you watch their rhythm dance and you don't understand it. <laughs> well, see, I feel like I understand it, but I wanna know did the crowd in Allen like understand it and seem to enjoy it because oh, that was like the that whole, i don't remember you know the we kind of were talking about that maybe like the american crowd may not, might get, not it. get it yeah. yeah so um because i, I really like don't it remember i really what, like that what the program. crowd response was like um but i will definitely have to go and check out the music video yeah yeah <laughs> 
We can link it, to that in our show notes as well. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was fun. And then their free dance was, was totally different. It was so soft and beautiful. And they really skated with a lot of flow and speed. Um, I would say that I think they skated. Yeah, they skated after Green and Parsons. And I wasn't surprised that they went ahead by so much because they, they just, um, the program really highlighted uh, flow. Honestly, whereas I felt like Green and Parsons, it kind of um, their their flow, which is very good. We saw it in the rhythm dance. It was maybe not accentuated by the program and their choreography. Um, obviously, they Green and Parsons just spent a lot of time on the rhythm dance, <laughs> working on a new one. So maybe next, they maybe they'll look at um, what they can do to get some more points out of their free dance because i think i think their their technical score i think is right about where it needs to be at this point in the season i think it's um or their base value i should say i think that it's getting more goe out of the elements and um a little more on the components uh compared to where they ended up last year this too was a better performance overall for them yeah than what they had at lombardia trophy yeah, I did. Also, I spoke to them off the ice uh, for a bit, and they were they seemed also very, very relaxed and happy to be there and happy to be able to perform for a home crowd. So, um, yeah, and then uh, Le Joie Le Gars were also really lovely. Um, again, I think their their choreography also highlighted their strengths it is very similar to last year's program but um i still like it so i'm not mad about it and then honestly chalk and baits um i'm gonna have to go back and watch the free dance again um i felt like unlike their training partners that were on the podium with them i did not feel like their program and choreography did them a lot of favors. I felt, I felt like they stopped a lot. There was a whole section in the middle that was just kind of back and forth across the short end. Um, I actually, I thought they were starting their character steps across the short axis. Um, but I thought they started them way too far from the boards. I thought they were starting them towards the judges and going backwards. And I'm, and in my head, I'm thinking, no, this is going to get invalidated because they're way too far from the judges. So then they got back to the boards and then they started the steps coming from the back towards the judges again. And so I just like the shape of the, of the program, it was just, um, and I talked to one other photographer who's, who thought the same thing. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I just felt like the, the construction was a little odd, especially in the middle. Yeah. I loved the opening pose. I mean, that opening pose, I'm, I'm nervous if one catch, you know, just loses balance, the other one's going to go down. Um, but I felt like it was just a lot of like the elements, like just these really exceptional elements, but I didn't get the time theme. I don't know if I really got it. And I was talking with Anne about it and we were kind of agreeing the same thing 
we were kind of just left, okay, how is this about time? Like, it just didn't seem to connect for us. And it's, it's not that I totally, like, don't like the program. I just need to see it again or possibly see it in person. Um, and so, you know, just watching it back, I just, watching it the first time through, I was like, mm, I'm not sure I, 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 I'm feeling this whole program. The, the elements and the lifts and, and the things like that are great. It just, I didn't feel like it was connecting in parts and, and, and didn't get the theme of time being in there. Yeah. I remember well, there are some things right at the beginning with the, with arms, you know. Okay. Clock arms. Then maybe but, I um, just need to go back and watch it again. But yeah, I don't, I don't recall if that, if that was necessarily extended throughout the the program or not. Well, they started the, they started the first piece of music is Time by Pink Floyd. So I think okay. they're trying to start with that st- piece of music and build off of it. But again, this is their first time out. Yeah. So it's still early for them. While some of the other teams have been competing, you know, the last month or two, they've been at competitions. It takes probably, it's going to take some outings. Remember last year at Skate America, Chalk and Bates came out and were actually beaten in the free dance by Hawaii and Baker. Yeah. And that was kind of a shock. Then they didn't, um, at I think it was NHK trophy, they came in second. Yeah. Behind Laurence Fournier, Beaudry, and Nikolai Sorensen, which was a surprise. But then by the time we got to the Grand Prix final, they were kind of back on track again. And I think that with them, this is just something that happens where because they start later or they start competing later, that first time out, you see the program, and then by the next time you see it, it's changed quite a bit. So it's likely to change and evolve over the season. Was there anything else that kind of stood out in the dance event or overall about Skate America? Gosh. Um, you know, it was, uh, the, I think the audience was um, really great, very warm to a lot of skaters um, from different countries as well. And um, it was just, it was just really great to be back this season. You know, it's, um, I photograph skating all year round and, but being at a big event, it's, it's different. It's, it's nice. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just nice to be back. It's nice to see familiar faces and, um, Yeah, and it's it's just exciting to and to think about that we're ending the season with a North American Worlds that hopefully all three of us will be at and uh, a whole bunch of our colleagues too. It's um I don't know, it just it just feels good. And I think I'm still in the I'm still in the headspace where I just feel lucky to be able to do this because of of the time that we all lost. Yeah. <laughs> so and- 
You get yeah. a few hours at home, and now you're getting ready to go to Skate Canada. Now, is this your second year in a row that you've done back-to-back Skate America, yeah. Skate Canada? Yes. Last year, I did back-to-back Skate America and Skate Canada for the first time ever. I've been, I forget, I added them up. I think this is my sixth, this was my sixth Skate America, and it'll be my ninth Skate Canada, or seventh and ninth, sixth and I can't remember, but um, I've been going to Grand Prix since 2008. I've been to at least one almost every year. I think there were two years I missed the Grand Prix completely, um, but I last year was the first year I went to both Skate America and Skate Canada, and then this year I'm going again because um, I just, I love Vancouver, <laughs> and I missed... <laughs> The last two major events that were in Vancouver, one was uh, 2021 Skate Canada was in Vancouver, but they did not allow media to come um, due to COVID protocols, even though they did allow an audience, (laughs) a small audience, (laughs) but they did not allow media. Um, And then uh, in 2018, the Grand Prix final was in Vancouver, but I had a newborn, so I did not attend that one. Um, so I haven't been back to, I haven't been in Vancouver since 20, well, I've been in Vancouver since then, but I haven't been to a skating event in Vancouver since January 2018 nationals, Canadian nationals. Um, so I'm really excited to go back. Uh, the venue is also very cold. I will have to report back on whether... This one or Alan was colder. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. And we're excited because yeah. you're going for us. Yes. yes. You're going to be so, our photographer. I'm yes. Go- yeah. I'm going to be sending in photos and I'll try to get some, some other tidbits. I don't know. We have to strategize, I guess, what's actually going to happen. We're really excited to have you kind of on the ground for us at Skate Canada. And uh, appreciate you coming on to talk about Skate America. Such a big competition and start of the Grand Prix series. Um, That uh, Skate America was not the only competition, though, that took place this past week. We had the Trophée Metropole Nice Côté de Jure in Nice, France. We had Diamond Spin and Katowice Poland Mezzaluna Cup. In Mentana, Italy, with the ISU Adult International Competition in Nashville, the Countess Autumn Cup in Lithuania, and then Japan was also holding their National Novice Championships in singles and ice dance. All of those results will be posted in our show notes. And now we'll move on to general skating news. Um... Unfortunately, we have some sad news to report. 1994 Olympic world pair skater Richard Todd Reynolds uh, has passed away and his obituary was published on October 19th. Of course, he was a pair skater. His partner was Karen Cortland. They represented the United States of America. Well, ITV's Dancing on Ice show to air in early 2024 in Great Britain, announced their professional skaters on October 23rd. They have four new pros, Vanessa James, Simon Senegal, Annette Dieter, and Amani Fancy. 
Unfortunately, Caitlin Hawak and Jean-Luc Baker have withdrawn from Grand Prix France, and they were replaced earlier today by Spain's Olivia Smart and Tim Deek, who, of course, just competed at Skate America. There will be a memorial for British ice dancer and coach Tony Barron. It will be held on Monday, October 30th, so next week. And the 8th Challenger Series event, Warsaw Cup, um, which is for singles in ice dance, no pairs. Um, the roster was published on October 23rd. One of the notable entries is Jason Brown. He will make his full competition debut here. He'll do a short program and a free skate. So exciting to have him back out there. Last year, remember, he didn't compete until nationals. So at least he's getting out there a little bit before we go to Columbus. He did tell me in June when I did the feature uh, photo shoot with him for... Uh, U.S. Figure Skating's magazine, he did say, I'm going to try to do a competition before Nationals. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I had right. my I had my bets on Golden Spin, but, um, you know, the timing for Warsaw Cup is good to you. So. Now, one thing I was talking with Anne about was I noticed that U.S. Figure Skating had entries for men and women, and I was a little disappointed that there were no dance entries. And then Anne reminded me that Warsaw Cup is the same weekend as the dance final. So mm-hmm. that sort of makes sense why U.S. Figure Skating has not did not name anyone to that roster. Well, we're getting ready. Anne and I have made all of our arrangements, and we're getting excited to be heading out to that competition in just a couple of weeks. It's coming up very quickly. Yeah, it's hard to believe sectionals and pairs and dance final are... In a couple weeks here. It's coming. So fast. So moving on to recent articles and interviews, Bev Smith Wright's blog had a couple of articles this week. One with Le Joie and Laga and the other with Pereira and Michaud. Well, the Associated Press had an article about the dance and women's event at Skate America. NBC Olympic Talk had an article about Amber Glenn's triple axel, Skate America. CNN had an article about Ilya Molinin's personal best at Skate America. Northern Virginia Magazine had an article about Ilya Molinin winning Skate America. Well, Golden Skate had recaps for each discipline from Skate America. And U.S. Figure Skating Fan Zone had an article on sibling ice dancers Una and Gage Brown. And how they're looking ahead to this, which is their second season as a senior team. Well, moving on to social media updates. Autumn Classic Pairs bronze medalists Emmanuel Profet and Nicholas Nadeau have signed a six-month contract to perform in Holiday on Ice's 80th anniversary show, No Limits. And that is according to um, Emma's Facebook father's Facebook posts and comments. Um, and so it looks like they are out, were in a promo for the Munich shows, which are J- January 4th through the 7th. And um, so we will post all of that information in our show notes. Luna Hendricks, Ilya Malinin, Kimi Rapond, Lucas Britschke, and Alexia Paganini have been announced so far for Art on Ice's 
2024 tour in three Swiss cities. This will be taking place from February 8th through the 17th. Johanna Alec, who competed in singles and ice dance for Estonia, whose mother created the JIV Sports brand in 2002, revealed their Team USA Elite Skater Jackets at Skate America, and there was a U.S. figure skating reel showing that. And Johanna had uh, an excited post about it saying it was so difficult to keep it a secret that they've been working on this project since January of this year. Well, congratulations are in order because Angela Wang has announced her engagement via Instagram. So we send out our best wishes to her and her fiance. And more engagement news. Australia's Kalani Crane posted this weekend that she got engaged to her boyfriend, Cameron Cherry, back on October 5th. Chris Kinnera made a trip to Edmonton, Alberta, to work with Katia Gordieva's young pairs at the Oakton Edge Skating Academy. Amelia Millie, as she likes to go by, Murdoch, competed in her first competition in Spain this past weekend, and she placed first of two senior women's, uh, of senior women, There is a podium picture that she posted. Now, she's listed to make her international debut for Spain at Volvo Open Cup in Raga, Lafia on November 3rd to the 4th. Carolyn Taylor, star of the I Have Nothing unscripted figure skating comedy series that's currently streaming on Crave in Canada, has held a recent Instagram Live with Brian Orser and then also one with Sandra Bezik this past Sunday. Let's hope that a streaming service will buy the rights for this so we can see it in the U.S. very soon. Well, moving on to the upcoming events for the week, as we mentioned, where Melanie is heading off to, it's Skate Canada International, which is taking place in Vancouver, British Columbia. It's the second Grand Prix of the season. Um, It's starting October 26th to the 29th, Um, so safe travels to Melanie as she heads out that way and to everyone else who is heading to Vancouver. From October 26th through the 29th, the Swiss Ice Skating Open will be taking place in Lausanne, Switzerland. This is an ISU international for senior, junior, and advanced novice in singles and ice dance. There will be a free live stream. Ternavia Ice Cup is taking place in Ternavia, Slovakia from October 27th to the 29th. And finally, Japan Western Sectional will be taking place from the 26th through the 29th in Hiroshima, Japan. That brings us to the end of our planned content. Gina, can you let folks know where they can find us? You can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com. And as we said, Melanie's going to be our photographer at Skate Canada. So definitely check out our website uh, next week for some photos from the event. Um, You can also check us out on social media, including the site formerly known as Twitter at ThisWKInSkating and Facebook and Instagram, it's ThisWeekInSkating. We're also on threads. We'd love your feedback or your questions. You can reach out to us on social media or email us at ThisWeekInSkating at gmail.com. We appreciate all the support that we've received via email and social media. We wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon and it's available at patreon.com slash thisweekinskating. Before we close out our podcast, we like to shine a lens on things that are happening at our respective websites. 
Over at IDC, I've got a bunch of photos coming. As we mentioned at the top of the podcast, I was away over the weekend, so I'm catching up on posting photos not only from Skate America, but from the Novice National Championships in Japan. Harumi was on site there, so I have those coming. And Mateo wrote a recap of Skate America, and that should be up as well. Gina, what's going on over at FSO? So I'm also editing photos from Skate America, so I should be almost done getting those up by the time this podcast comes out. I also am finishing up my recap of Skate America, so you can check that out as well. And the Skate Canada Hub will be up midweek as well. So yeah, a lot of going on, trying to catch up. Uh, it was a busy weekend for me with a work um, trip and now work assignments. So if I'm not editing photos, I'm editing videos for work. So it's it's been a busy week. Well, we certainly appreciate Melanie taking the time to stop by and chat with us today about everything Skate America. But we have reached the end of our episode. So thanks for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have an ice week! <laughs>